For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tiger fans, welcome to episode 194 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of all future episodes. Apple Podcast listeners, rate and review the show, and everyone... Follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. He's an award-winning sports journalist and currently the sports director at Fox 54 News in Huntsville, Alabama, which has been recognized multiple times for their outstanding coverage of HBCU athletics, none other than Mr. Mo Carter. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, how's it going, Corey? Hope all is well in your neck of the woods. All is well. Nothing to complain about. Definitely a big game coming up. And for you, I'd imagine it's busy, busy season for you as we enter October because that's always a jam-packed sports month. So how's it going for you? Hey, it's coming along, man. Of course, um, ever since the fall schedule came out several months ago, I kind of looked at the month of October, especially for the HBCU football schedule, and said, okay, yeah, this is definitely going to be not only a very busy month, but it's going to be a make-or-break month for not only Alabama A&M, but several other schools within the SWAG. And then when you look at other sports or whatever in general, you've got preseason college basketball starting up. We've got minor league hockey here in Huntsville with the Huntsville Havoc. That'll be starting up. And um, we're basically kind of now almost in the final stretch of our high school football season mm-hmm. as well, uh, not only here in the Huntsville area, but across the state of Alabama. So, yeah, October is definitely a month that you want to take day by day. But at the same time, you know, that's why I got into the business to cover mm-hmm. these games and provide these stories for the wonderful public. Absolutely. I know you wouldn't have it any other way. And of course, it's going to be a busy month, but this is a big week as well for SWAC football, for HBCU football. Huge game in the Eastern Division showdown coming up this weekend in your backyard between two teams with HBCU National Championship aspirations. And you know these hopes could take a huge hit for one of these two teams, but we want to hear all about this Alabama A&M ball club that, of course, won the SWAC title in the spring. And we have to kick things off with the elephant in the room. I wasn't expecting to talk about this with you today, but the unexpected loss to Grambling this past weekend. I know you've spoken to Coach Maynard since the loss. So what were his thoughts? 
Yeah, so I got a chance to um, talk to Coach Maynard on Sunday morning. I actually filled in for Ted Dixie on Coach Maynard's um, television show, which actually airs on our television station as well. So we had no conflict of interest in that situation. But, I mean, Coach, Coach Maynard, he's a straight shooter. He's not a guy that makes up excuses or anything. He basically said, in a nutshell, they played bad. Some of his players underestimated Grambling for how they were standing when it comes to their season. Of course, they didn't do well in most of their games, got blanked in two of their games, and some of their players did overlook that, and they were looking forward to the Jackson State game thinking they were just going to walk and run past Grambling. But you and I, both being guys who know the swag um, and know how crazy things can get, when you go to Eddie Robinson Stadium in Lincoln mm-hmm. Paris, there's some crazy things that can happen down there in that stadium, and Saturday was another example. What's very interesting, though, is that at the end of the day, with two minutes to go in that game, as bad as Alabama A&M had played with all the turnovers and interceptions, they still had a chance to win the game. Unfortunately, Aquil's glasses last pass was batted in the air, and it was intercepted all once again, and I mean – by far, it was, you know, definitely gut-wrenching for Alabama A&M to lose on Saturday. But then you kind of look at some other things. Maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Maybe it's one of those things to let the A&M players know that, hey, we're a good team, but we can be beat. And now mm-hmm. our margin of error is very, very small. So going back to how I was talking about things with Coach Maynard, basically, you know, he was like, look, he looked at his team and said, we got to do a better job coaching. You guys have to do a better job playing. And now they've got a lot of big games in front of them. And it all starts this upcoming Saturday when Jackson State comes to the city of Huntsville for, as you talked about, a very key and big East Division matchup. Absolutely. And to kind of paraphrase you, it sounds like, you know, the guys overlooked Grambling. And to me, you just described what I consider a trap game. And I know Coach Maynard won't make excuses. Like he said, they just got outplayed. But any given Saturdays, especially in the SWAC, and, and you called it, but this Alabama A&M team hasn't beat Grambling since 2013. So that's definitely not a team that you can overlook. Anyone can overlook, uh, especially Alabama A&M. And you talk about the struggles of the team where all the eyes were on quarterback Aquil Glass. He struggled in that game as well despite going 36 for 62 for 446 yards. And it's funny, I say he struggled. And now I'm going to talk about these stats. 446 yards. Uh, but he threw four costly interceptions, including that late fourth quarter pick that sealed the game for the G-Man. Let's start with the 62 attempts. That stands out to me. Now, as good as he is, do you think that's the ideal or I guess the desired formula for this offensive staff? Absolutely not. When I talked to Coach Maynard um, yesterday, you know, he was like, I never wanted a quill to throw 60-something passes. But that was the situation they got put in. And also another thing, too, was they got away from the Russian attack very, very early. Gary Quarles, who is one of the top rushers in the Southwestern Athletic Conference heading into that game, he got nicked up somewhere in the second quarter, and they got away from running the ball. I mean, Quarles has made a big difference in multiple games this year, including um, the previous game against Tuskegee, where he broke off some big runs just in general. So, yeah, when you get to a point where Quill Glass has to throw it for 62 times, that's not a good formula in in general. Now, Mm -hmm. I know every once in a while you may get into a shootout situation or whatever, but that wasn't the case on Saturday. They got behind the eight ball after Grambling scored 24 unanswered points and they basically just had to throw and throw and throw and throw because I mean you know you take time when you rush the ball and you take time off the clock so yeah that's definitely what happened but I will also say this 
even though I'm a Southern University graduate who played football and I believe blue and gold and love that university because I played football, got a good education. That's where I met my wife. Mm-hmm. I have to give props to Grambling because they had the perfect game plan to basically stop Alabama A&M's offense and cause a lot of turnovers on Saturday. I mean, yeah, class threw four interceptions, and he also lost a fumble that went for another touchdown. Basically, Grambling took advantage of every single turnover, turning it into points, and along with that, yes, they were starting a freshman quarterback, mm-hmm. but the best thing in the world for him to, to be in was the fact that all those turnovers Alabama A&M gave to them allowed Grambling to start on the Bulldog mm-hmm. side of the field. So you think about that and you're like, okay, this is not a game that's on the defense or whatever. The offense put them in some very, very bad positions and Grambling State took advantage of it. And you know a guy like Broderick Fobbs was going to find a way to make it happen, and they did on Saturday. Absolutely. Now, you talked about those turnovers for Alabama A&M, six total in the game. And, of course, Grambling capitalized on all six, not to mention an onside kick that Grambling recovered. On the season, they fumbled eight times. They've lost six to go along with six interceptions. Is this something that's starting to become a cause for concern for this team? Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach Vander said it himself um, that they have to find a way to protect the football. When they protect the football, all of a sudden, Everything is rolling in their way. But when you give the opposite team additional possessions or whatever, those are additional ways in which they can beat you. Now, I will say this. Yeah, glass, you know, of glasses, four interceptions. Yeah, one of them, he just threw it straight to the ground defender and the guy made a great play. The other ones were, they were basic tip drills. And you have to go ahead and applaud Grambling for like looking at the film and doing great study and realize like, okay, if we get this rush here and let's say we get our hands up, when he throws or whatever, there's a high percentage chance they're going to be able to bat the ball down, knock it down, or knock it up, and then find a way to work on that tip drill between either the linebackers, the DBs, and even in the last interception, the defense alignment. So, yeah, that was a huge concern. And then, yeah, when he put the ball on the ground, I mean, yeah, that that's a tough situation uh, just in general. And we know the drill, scoop and mm-hmm. score. That's mm-hmm. what they ended up doing. And not only happened in this game, but it happened in a couple other games. You can say the rain for the Bethune-Cookman game kind of played a factor into it or whatever, but, you know, they put the ball on the ground a couple of times against against Tuskegee, and Tuskegee found ways to make some things happen. They didn't capitalize on every single situation, but the difference between Tuskegee and Grambling was the fact that Grambling capitalized on every single turnover. That's why Coach Maynard is now um, emphasized to his team even more than what they've done before, that they have to protect the football, they have to protect their – their um their possessions and they can't afford to give possessions away to opposing offenses especially ones on the plus side of the field right right now despite the loss a&m remains in the race in the east and of course this team won this swack in the spring what has the buzz been like around campus and the city since that championship and has that carried over into this fall season Oh, the buzz has been phenomenal. I mean, you also got to think about this. Alabama A&M didn't have a home game in the spring. Wow. Um, I know, of course, Alcorn opted out. That was supposed to be one home game. And then Grambling had COVID issues, so that was supposed to be another home game. So they won all of their games on the road. The closest game to a home game that they had was in Birmingham for the Magic City Classic. Mm-hmm. So once that Alabama A&M football team bought home a championship for the SWAC and also – for HBCU from the national title standpoint. I mean, definitely the buzz was generating season ticket sales 
were definitely going up. You were seeing Coach Maynard participate with various other projects around the city of Huntsville. And, you know, you just saw a lot more pride from the maroon and white fan bases, and they were definitely looking forward to it. True example of it was, I mean, like the crowd and atmosphere that was there for the opening night game against South Carolina State. I mean, that was about as good as an atmosphere I've seen from a home crowd in quite some time since I've been here um, in Huntsville, which is now going on six years. So, yeah, a lot of excitement uh, with that, a lot of excitement on social media. And it seems like every time, like, I would post something or whatever about a and I'm seeing, like, these A&M out-of-town fans just mm-hmm. loving it and enjoying it and just seeing how everything is kind of, like, uh, playing out. So everything definitely did carry over into this upcoming year. And once they saw, hey, they have five home games this season, including uh, two pivotal ones in October, you know, you've been seeing the fans come out and support and do a whole uh, – a lot of things – that I had not seen in the past. I mean, Coach Maynard has definitely changed the culture for this program and also really for the university for when you you look at it from an athletic standpoint. And this is definitely a week they're looking forward to, along with the fact that it is also homecoming week Mm -hmm. here in Huntsville. Homecoming on the Hill 2021 edition. So there's a lot of buzz going around everything. But a great head coach will always tell everyone, Homecoming is not for you, the players, <laughs> mm-hmm. for the students, it's for the alumni, mm-hmm. it's for the administration, it's not for the football team. The only object of the football team is to win the game on Saturday. That's what the focus is definitely going to be in a huge matchup, not only within the conference, but really in all of HBC mm-hmm. football. Definitely, definitely one of the biggest games of the season so far, this early season. And going back to that spring championship, as you know, there were a lot of people who put an asterisk on that championship due to the conditions in which they won it. Has there been any talks or suggestions that the team feels like it has something to prove because of that? Maybe just to show that that championship was or is legitimate. It's kind of funny, man, that you asked that. Um, when we talk to Coach Manor or Quill Glass or any of the guys or whatever, first thing they'll say is like, look, We are the champions. (laughs) Not only did we handle it on the football field and we played the games that we were supposed to, that we played that were presented to us or whatever and stuff. We are the champions. The NCAA recognizes them as the champions. Mm -hmm. The SWAC recognizes them as a champion. Box to roll recognizes them as the champion. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill recognizes (laughs) them as a champion. We can go on and on and on or whatever about it and stuff. And you've even had some coaches come out and say like, look, no matter what people say or whatever, they did what they were supposed to do, and they are the champions with that. Now, on top of that, um, the Bulldogs come back and say, look, now it's time to show that we can not only do this once, we can do this again. Mm-hmm. So that's been their main thing, to win championships basically two in one calendar year. And that's what, you know, that's what they're definitely shooting for. I mean, was it going to be easy? Absolutely not. I mean, we just saw it on Saturday, like how the tables can turn. But there's still a whole lot of season left. And, I mean, this program, they really want to show everyone that, uh, you know, the spring wasn't a fluke. The mm-hmm. other added interest, too, is the fact that not only do you win the swag this year in the fall, uh, you got to go to the Celebration Bowl and then handle your business against the MEAC as right. well in December for the Celebration Bowl. And, of course, we've only seen Grambling and Alcorn State represent the swag so far in that game. So Alabama A&M is looking to become the next team from the Southwestern Athletic Conference um, to do so. But um, basically, the road to a swag East championship continues this upcoming week when they take on um, 
Jackson State in a very, very pivotal game for not only this week, but also for the rest of the month as well. Coach Manor said on the Slack call this week, too, is that, like, this game propels you into the next game, the next game propels you into the next game. But first things first, you got to handle what's this upcoming week, which Mm -hmm. is on Saturday against the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coach Maynard, he's been on record talking about, you know, being the first team to win two conference championships in one calendar year, you know, not to mention the Celebration Bowl potentially as well. And the Bulldogs have definitely picked up where they left off in the spring, at least offensively, as they lead the conference in scoring at 36 points per game. Now, aside from the obvious answer, which is, of course, a quill glass, who are some of the guys or what are some of the things that make this offense so lethal? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you hit the hit nail on the head with a quill glass. But uh, other people who make um, this offense so lethal, I mean, include basically his other playmakers, the guys that glass can get the ball to. And I mean, I really think it starts with the guys on the outside. And um, in a dude for Ty Ibrahim, a two-time All-American um, from the FCS stats level and also from Phil Steele. I mean, he's a guy that can catch a slant and then literally, you know, take it to the house. Xavier and Moore, who's usually on the opposite side of a dude for Ty Abraham, he's another guy that can make some things happen. Inside, you've got guys like a dude Hilaire, and you also got Brian Jenkins Jr., who's basically like lightning in the bottle. Yeah, he's only like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, ish or whatever, but you get the ball to him, he becomes a matchup nightmare. And another guy that is really, really coming out this upcoming year is the LSU transfer, mm-hmm. um, and that's D. Anderson, guy that's six foot six, about two hundred and fifteen pounds. I mean, he had three touchdowns against Grambling. He had three touchdowns against Tuskegee. And I mean, think about it. it's like lining Terrell Owens up in a slot, <laughs> and and then you know basically telling a safety or a linebacker cover this guy. And, I mean, it's a matchup nightmare for anyone. So he's fitting his way into the offense. And then another person, too, that's really, really making this offense go this year is their running back, and uh, that is Gary Qualls. He's a small guy, about 5'8", about 180, 90 pounds or so. Um, You know, lots of times you give him the ball, you don't see him or water behind that huge offensive line. But then all of a sudden, he can get the going, and, I mean, he can literally take off with his four – Four 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 five speed. I mean, we've seen it happen a bunch of times. So um, one thing about Glass is that he knows how to work around to get the ball to his defenders. I'm not defenders, to his offensive playmakers. I asked him, like, is there enough balls to go around? It's <laughs> like, hey, at the end of the day, our guys on selfish. They know for sure. If I get you the ball, you need to make a play. So mm-hmm. those are the guys who are definitely um, making some things happen. I also have to add Kendrick Johnson. He's an all-conference tight end who has been making some plays as well. And, I mean, one thing about him, he'll line up at tight end. He'll line up at an H-back position. Sometimes he'll line up in a position where it makes it look like he's a blocking fullback as well. But the thing is, it's all about scheming and timing. So, yeah, those are some. Of the, those are just some of the guys that can mm-hmm. really uh, make some things happen. I mean, one thing about AM, they are loaded, like, at just about every skill position. Mm-hmm. I even saw on Saturday, I mean, I saw guys who I'd really not seen play that much this year getting valuable time and making uh, making catches. I mean, Glass is averaging like seven um, completions to to different receivers a mm. game. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of guys to get a ball to. And just knowing that he can do that is, a, you know, it's a huge thing uh, for him. Now, the big thing this upcoming week, though, is the fact that, you know, they have to be consistent. They mm-hmm. have to be consistent. One thing I didn't mention about the Grambling game, there were a lot of drops in that game, too. Yeah, there were a, a lot of drops. So they definitely want to try to clean that up when it comes to Saturday's game. 
Definitely a ton of weapons for Glass, and he is averaging 377 yards per game with a 61% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, and six interceptions. He's a guy who can really pick defenses apart when he's able to stand in the pocket. But things can get a little bit interesting when there's pressure applied to him. So talk about the play of that offensive line so far this season. How well have they been able to protect him overall? Um, if I had to give the, give them a grade, I'd probably give them about a B minus right now. And the reason why I say that this technically is still a young offensive line when it comes to experience and playing together. Um, in the spring, they had they had um they had one senior and they had one junior who had valuable playing time or whatever. Well, the senior he graduated, could have came back this fall, but he he was an engineering major ends up getting one of these high-paying jobs here in the city of Huntsville, Hmm. which is now the fastest-growing city in the state of Alabama. And as the most recent census, we're now the largest city in the state Hmm. of Alabama as well. Well, he just got a job or whatever, and Coach Mander was like, look, man, take this job. You you, you didn't come here. You did what you're supposed to do. Got your degree. Um, Went ahead and helped us win a championship. And, like, go take this job or whatever. We can find a way to fill fill you up. So, yeah, this upcoming – uh, that guy was Dexter Fuquay, uh, a Fuqua, mm-hmm. depends on who, who you ask or whatever. He And he actually was an all-conference guy as well. So they did lose him. But the rest of the line, they're kind of intact just in general as far as knowing how to play together. Um, but they're still kind of working on some things. So that's why I say I give them about a B- minus as far as, like, protecting Glass. Because the first couple of weeks, I mean, yeah, Glass had kind of been protected quite well. Defense weren't really getting to him. But then – Tuskegee got to him a couple of times. Ramblin got to him multiple times. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they they are probably, as we speak, looking at film, if they're not on the practice field right now, saying like, okay, how can we protect a quill glass, especially against a vaunted Jackson State defense where we've seen, you know, find ways to shut down some opponents this uh, this upcoming year just in general. So, yeah, that offensive line, they still need a little bit of work or whatever, but I think – I think they're going to get better through the year. The big question is, can they get better quick, fast, and in a hurry for what's ahead? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and now, have you heard much about Aquil's NFL stock this season? I mean, have you seen any scouts at practices or a game so far? Absolutely. I've seen a couple of scouts at practice. Um, and kudos to those scouts, because that means that those scouts have been coming to practice at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, we have, seen, we have seen a couple of guys um, through, through here – Due to privacy factors, I don't want to give away what teams and everything and whatnot. Um, sure thing, sure thing. But I, I can say I have seen a few guys come through, and actually, there were there were guys last year from NFL teams who were here because there was a rumor mill that Glass might have, you know, not came back for the fall mm-hmm. or whatever. Especially after how things went with the spring, but he, you know, he told us like, look, he still had a journey to complete. And, you know, yes, he's already got his degree. He's actually doing some grad school work and stuff. But, yeah, he, he still says he wants to get better with that. As far as his draft stock, um, I can't tell you where he's actually at now as far as ranking. But I know going into the into the summer, I want to say they had him ranked as, like, the number 15 or 16-ranked quarterback hmm. for the 2022 draft. And that was, like, back in the summer. I mean, I'm pretty sure that draft stock will continue to rise especially if he continues to have a good season, um, you know, if, if he's able to lead his team to another championship. And then once the season is over with, he'll have multiple postseason opportunities as well. He was the first player selected for the HBCU Legacy Bowl, mm-hmm. which is basically the HBCU All-Star Game slash HBCU Senior Bowl. 
that will be played down in Mobile. As a matter of fact, the people from the Senior Bowl um, are basically in charge of this, and they're going to do the same type of coverage of what they do with the Senior Bowl just for all HBCU products um, and players. So the so he was the first uh, player selected. And then I know that the East-West Shrine Bowl – and also the senior bowl have him on their watch list. Mm-hmm. So if he's able to go to one one of those other two or whatever, that kind of already shows you that look, there are more people who have him on the radar than than you think. But mm-hmm. he's also a smart guy too. I mean, he's an engineering graduate. He knows that he's got to find ways to improve his, you know, improve his play to improve his draft stock. That's a dream for him that he says that he wants to achieve, but you know, he'll also tell you first and foremost that his Next dream and goal is to lead a team to their next game. The draft stuff will come later on uh, in general. Sure thing. Sure thing. And Mo, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. You know, we talked about this offense averaging 36 points per game, but the defense is giving up 35 points per game. Now that unit was definitely a topic of conversation for Alabama A&M critics back in the spring. So what would you say is the fall assessment of this defense? <sighs> the fall assessment of this defense Man, they're they're still trying to get it together. One thing about this defense under Granville Eastman is that I've noticed that they definitely live by the bend but don't break philosophy. Mm, right. I right. mean, they've had their you know they've had their games where they're like, okay, uh, you know what y'all gonna do here? And then somebody comes up with a big play. Uh, Tramel Tranel Trotman is a guy, perfect example of that. The Louisville transfer. Mm-hmm. I mean. He came up with a game-winning interception against South Carolina State. He came up with a game-winning interception against Bethune-Cookman. I mean, and I think he's got like four interceptions on the year, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's one of the leaders in the SWAC. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got to go back and look at those stats, but I definitely know he's one of the leaders in the SWAC when it comes to INT. So, I mean, you know, he's a guy that's definitely, you know, making a big impact on that defense. Amari Holloway, uh, a guy who two years ago led the SWAC in um, in tackles mm-hmm. or whatever is another guy that you know you got to watch out where he is lining up on the field. I mean, he can be D- he can be a DB one second, he can be a safety the next second. You mm-hmm. may see him lined up at cornerback the next second. Like you know, he he he's a guy. And then his twin brother Amari Holloway um, is is same situation. Now, I think the big thing for Alabama A&M defensively, though, is that they find ways to make plays when they need to, but I still feel that they need to find ways to get more pressure up front. Mm-hmm. They've kind of been seeing a little pressure from guys like Jamal Irby and um, and Adrian Bennett, but they still need to see more pressure from up front because I think that a lot of these quarterbacks this year, they've had ample time to throw balls. Now, does Alabama A&M find a way to get pressure from time to time? Absolutely. Do I feel like they can get more pressure? Absolutely. But it's just not happening just then and there. And also, too, um, I will say this. A&M has kind of struggled a little bit with scrambling quarterbacks. I mean, the <laughs> South Carolina State quarterback, you know, that that guy, um, he definitely improved from when they played him in the right. spring. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, you know, he definitely improved when he when they played him in the spring. And I mean, it showed in that in, in that bird game. Uh, Tuskegee, they decided to play two quarterbacks. And th- that's what ended up happening. I mean, one guy was more of a better passer, the other guy was a better runner. And it, it kind of took a toll against Alabama A&M's defense, um, you know, from there. So defensively, I, I really just want to see them kind of have more of an aggressive style, you know, coming or whatever. Like, I feel like the talent is there. The schemes are there. Um, they're being put in position to make those things happen. It's just a matter of 
how quickly can they make those things happen? And I hate to say it, you just can't live and die by that bend but don't break right. uh, a, a scenario all season long because you, you're going to get burned. Mm-hmm. I think one good thing they have in their in their um in their favor and back pocket though is that like when they practice or whatever, Coach Man is one of those guys where yeah he's got a scout team or whatever, but when it comes to certain situations, um. Aquil Glass is out there leading the scout team. <laughs> so, you know, basically, I guess Coach Maynard's like, look, I got the best quarterback uh-huh. in the SWAC and probably one of the best in all of HBCU and FCS football. I'm going to put him as the whatchamacallit quarterback <laughs> and see what this defense can do, uh-huh. you know, against it. And I saw it and I saw it happen multiple times where, yeah, you know, Aquil kind of tore that defense up. But then <laughs> there were some practices where I saw the defense got the best of him. So it kind of just depends on that. But as far as defensively, I mean – there are wrinkles I think they still need to kind of work out to, you know, make some things happen or whatever. Because, I mean, yeah, look, on the other side, come Saturday, Shadur Sanders. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a true freshman, but I've watched this couple of games. I mean, mm-hmm. he's making some solid throws. He's making some good decisions. I think the big thing for them is can they put him in a pressure-packed situation to where he can make mistakes? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, you know, speaking of this game, this highly anticipated matchup, you talked about that defense going up against – uh, the Jack State offense, but uh, your offense, Alabama A&M's offense, that is, is number one in the SWAC going up against the number one defense in the SWAC. I think that's where a lot of the attention will be. JSU is allowing an average of only 12.8 points per game, which is the best in the SWAC. They've only given up four TDs on the season, which is tied for first in the conference, and they have the number one sack guy in all of FCS football, Mr. James Houston. The Bulldogs haven't had a test like this so far, uh, but you know this team pretty well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, so that that is going to be a main headline this, uh, this upcoming week. I mean, like I said, I've watched a couple of Jackson State games, especially with that defense. I mean, I know for sure when Aquil Glass lines up with his offense, he's definitely going to notice where Houston is. He's also going to notice where Keontae Hampton is lining up as well. I think those two guys make the Jackson State defense go along with the cornerback as well. So I think he's going to keep an eye out on where those guys are. And I really think at the end of the day, it's going to be – Every single play, where do you have your best advantage at and where do you have the best matchups that will provide high energy and basically high efficient plays that will go for positive yards? I really think that's what's going to happen. I mean, I know this defense that Jack State has right now is completely different from the one that last tore apart in in the spring. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure they understand. He understands that. I'm pretty sure – the Alabama A&M coaching staff understands that just in general. But, um, yeah, they're going to have to find a way to, like, you know, dink and dump and then maybe find a way to, you know, get some big plays just in general. If, if there was ever a week where they definitely needed, like, the home field advantage, this is definitely going to be it. Mm-hmm. This will definitely be it for sure come um, come on Saturday. But, yeah, the Jackson State defense, yeah, you look at it specifically, they're, 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 they're no joke. It's just a matter of can they make the plays against Jackson State and also not turn the ball over and give the ball back to that Jackson State offense with Shadir Sanders. If I'm not mistaken, I would not be surprised to see Alabama A&M kind of go a little bit more balanced if Mm -hmm. everything works out. But, of course, I think that will kind of just depend on what happens, um, you know, as you kind of feel each other out this uh, upcoming week. But. You know, for, for that offense against the defense, I think the big, the big, the best situation is going to be it's going to be your best against their best when it comes to AM and Jackson State. It's just going to be a matter of who can take advantage of what at the best opportunity. 
opportune time. And also, too, we know for sure Jack State has looked at the tape of Grambling. So mm -hmm. you know they're going to be licking their chops and trying to find ways to get a quill glass out of his game and out of his range. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned that home field advantage, which could play a huge role in the game. And earlier we talked about the buzz around campus just with this fan base and, and coupled with the fact that it's homecoming. Just what type of crowd do you expect? You know Jack State's got to bring a crowd. That's just what Jack State does. But what type of crowd do you expect for this game on the Alabama A&M side? And how hostile will it be? Is this a, a fan base that's going to make it uh, you know, tough for the opposition just from a hostility standpoint? Um, I'm not going to say, I, I'm, I can't say it's going to be hostile, <laughs> but I will say that A&M can possibly have an advantage with the amount of fans that will be there. Now, of course, yeah, we know Jackson State does travel, you know, quite well. And it's interesting. Jackson State actually has a fairly decent large alumni base here yes. in the uh, city of Huntsville. As a matter of fact, I found that out a few years ago whenever two guys from Bob Jones High School, two, track, uh, two twin brothers who ran track, had signed with Jackson State. And um, the guy who was the – who is the Huntsville – I want to say he's the Huntsville president and then, like, he has, like, mm -hmm. maybe, like, a region board um, mm -hmm. position. You know, he made, like, a presentation and whatnot, and then I would see him from time to time here and there everywhere. So I know – he and all his guys and everybody else is going to be here. But then, of course, I've been reading social media, saying how many buses are going to bring along. Sonic Boom, apparently, is making their way here to Huntsville. So, Absolutely. honestly, this may be uh, – and, and I'm a big history buff, so I had to go back and check my notes or whatever. This may be the largest crowd that Lewis Cruz Stadium has seen probably since 1998, which was the transitional year for Alabama A&M, and it was the first time that they played a swag opponent, which happened to be Southern. And there's a there's multiple pictures in the press box that like just show people everywhere or whatever. People like standing on the berms and standing behind the end zone and all that. I think it'll kind of rival that come Saturday. Also, I think too now this Alabama A&M fan base has been waiting so long for such a good team to come along that they're going to try to do their best to help out A&M in every way, shape, or form, Because especially the fact that, look, they know they have the championship and they know that Coach Deion Sanders and his Tigers want to take away that championship. And then you can add the whole Deion Sanders primetime factor <laughs> to, to that as well. I'm not going to go into all that, but if you, you know what I'm talking about, then Absolutely. you know what I'm talking about talking about so um yeah i wouldn't be surprised if we see a bunch of signs in the stands as well so um but i think that i really think alabama and the fans understand the magnitude of this situation and know how big of a game this is going to be and considering that you're going to have two top teams in the east and top teams among hbcu football going head to head yeah they know for sure that support is going to be at an all-time high or it's going to be needed to be at an all-time mm -hmm. high because we also know sure. Jackson State's going to have their support right then and there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This has been awesome, Mo. I, I do appreciate it. I have a couple more questions before we get you out of here. I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, especially with A&M having that loss already to Grambling, what could another SWAC loss mean for this team? And knowing Coach Maynard and his group of guys, what was their, what is their confidence like going forward? I mean, is this a must-win game, especially considering their remaining schedule and their reliance on other teams to lose? Oh, absolutely. This is a must win. Coach Manor um, has said it, that the error, uh, the, the the margin of error is very, very small moving forward. Um, yes, Grambling's game was a loss and it was a conference loss. Luckily, it's not a divisional loss. But with that being said, a loss to Jackson State 
puts them behind the eight ball further because now Alabama A&M would not only need to win out, they would need Jackson State to lose three games. They, they would need Jackson State to lose three games at least or whatever mm-hmm. to, to get back in the thing because, of course, they would lose the head-to-head tiebreaker mm-hmm. if they both lost, you know, had two losses or whatever um, in general. Right. So, yeah, he, he has been preaching um, since yesterday or today, I should say, or mm-hmm. Monday, Sunday, whatever it is, after the Grambling game. Absolutely. Uh, basically, yeah, he has been preaching like, look, you know, you can't afford to have another loss right now just because of the way everything is. But, of course, you know, this schedule, it's its not easy coming up. I said October was going to really determine the mm-hmm. East. I also said, too, that if Alabama A&M can run the table in which they beat Jackson State, Florida A&M, and then they can beat Alabama State in the Magic City Classic, they may have the East Division basically wrapped up or whatever by the time we got to the first week of November. Can that situation still happen? Absolutely. However... The ante has kind of went up a little bit now because, you know, they have a loss. Yes, Jackson State is 3-1. and one, Alabama A&M is 3-1. and one, But A&M's loss is in conference. Jackson State's loss is not in conference. So that's the big difference. So right now, based for A&M, yeah, it, it is a must win. I mean, mm-hmm. Coach Banner will tell you every game is a must win. But this is a real must win to keep them in contention for, to defend their crown and also to – keep them on the road to the swag football championship mm-hmm. um maybe you know if they had a loss later in the season that that may change or whatever but right now they can't afford to lose like any of the upcoming games just in general that's another reason why this game is really really important i mean i played at southern university under coach pete richardson and coach mm. richardson would always tell us that the the upcoming game is the most important because it's the next game on the schedule and that's right. the most that you are preparing for when it comes to the next game so with mm-hmm. that being said that's another reason why it is the most important game because it's the next game it just so happens that there's a whole lot of other things going on leading into this game and surrounding this game for the winner mm-hmm. Sure thing, sure thing. And, and Mo, if you will, speak to our fan base a little bit about Coach Maynard and just his personality. You know, we get to see him in the media and we see some of the quotes. And I think our fans aren't quite sure how to take it. You know, for example, at the teleconference, he, he said regarding Coach Prime, he said he made the comment, I hurt my ankle getting off the bus the other day. If you got an extra scooter, send it to me. And then we all remember the comments made back in the spring after the game, uh, talking to Coach Prime in terms of how Coach Prime and just Jackson State fans, I guess, in general, we're always talking about the fall, the fall. And Coach Banner said, well, look, you're not the only one with four or five stars. I'm not going to have the same team in the fall. I'm bringing in some new guys as well. So just talk about, again, his personality when he says things like that, his tongue in cheeks. How should, how should JSU fans take that? Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and speak to JSU fans in this manner. <laughs> Understand this. Coach Maynard is one of those guys where, yeah, he talks a lot of trash, but he finds a way to back it up as well. And, I mean, one thing about Coach Maynard, he's been like that since he's been a player. Hmm. Coach Maynard, for those that don't know, he is a two-time MEAC Offensive Player of the Year at North Carolina A&T. He led the Aggies to -to back-to-back titles, and he was also, you know, back-to-back Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, He got recently inducted into the MEAC uh, Sports Hall of Fame as well. And many people don't know, he was actually the – he was a stand-in for Jamie Foxx in Any Given Sunday. Wow. Yeah, he was a stunt double for Jamie Foxx in Any Given Sunday. Um, and he actually keeps the Willie Beeman jersey that he wore <laughs> in the movie in his office. 
So okay. he's a very charismatic guy. He is a very, very, I guess you could say at certain times, lovable guy, but he's also an in-your-face type guy or whatever. But there's never a dull moment around him. So I'll say this, you know, you kind of take it how it is. I mean, he, he is a fun-loving guy, but at the same time, when it's time to go to work, he definitely, you know, rolls with it or whatever. I mean, he jokes with us all the time. Um, during the press conferences, as you talked about the thing about the scooter or whatever and stuff. I mean, look, that's just him. And I mean, that, I mean, I'm not saying he's making fun of Coach Deion Sanders or whatever. If anything, I think he's really trying to, you know, keep things kind of lighthearted just in general. Now, mm. if you want to take things into real consideration, you should see the conversation he has between him and Coach Donald Hill Ely down at Alabama <laughs> State. I mean, I you know, those guys, I mean, yeah, they're best of friends, but man, the talk they do between each other is just uh, something else. I actually covered a the region's traditional pro-am, which is a huge, um, huge minor golf, t- well, I say huge, it's a huge um, golf tournament on the on the minor league circuit for PGA tours or whatever in the Birmingham area, they always have a pro-am. So, you know, you see Nick Saban, Gus Malzahn, Charles Barkley, Bo Jackson, and of course with Alabama A&M and Alabama State playing the Magic City Classic in Birmingham, those guys are always, you know, involved. Well, the, the last time I covered it, I like Ely lost a bet or something to where he had to be Coach Maynard's caddy. And mm. then he was like, hey, Mo, look, Coach Ely is being my caddy or whatever and stuff. He because he lost it. Like he was making a whole lot of fun of making fun about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, hey, he better watch it. He better watch it because he may be on first 48 later on in Birmingham <laughs> if things don't go right. Like mm-hmm. that's just the type of personality those two guys have, especially, you know, uh, Coach Coach Manor from that. So, yeah, for Jackson State fans, look, just know this. Coach Manor's a huge trash talker or whatever, but he finds ways to back it up. And he's been like that since he's been a player. I've talked to other people he played with in the Arena Football League. He led the Orlando Predators to, I think, the Arena Bowl Championship in 2000, mm-hmm. 2001. Um, so, you know, I've asked former Arena players who have crossed his path, including Charles Davis, who works for NFL Network and also with Fox Sports. I actually played against him. Um, I talked to Charles. When was that? When they played in the Black College Hall of Fame Classic two years mm-hmm. ago against Morehouse. And he was telling me all kinds of Coach Maynard stories like, man, Coach Maynard never turns it off, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just never does, no matter if it's the player or if it's just the coach and stuff. So, yeah, he's he's a high-energy guy or whatever. So, for Jack State fans, do not take this. <laughs> do not take his comments or whatever too serious. Just know that like, this guy is really, really trying to have fun or whatever with it. Now, how Coach Sanders responds? That's on him. If Coach Sanders decides to be fun and respond to it, then so be it. I guarantee you Coach Manor will respond right back to it. <laughs> if he doesn't, then, you know, it, it is what it is, and, you know, and, and so be it moving forward. So, yeah, that's the type of guy that Alabama A&M has, and really that's the type of guy that the swag has. And, of course, everybody knows about the Ric Flair mm-hmm. um, <laughs> situation. Of course, uh, those guys know each other, being okay. both from North, from North Carolina. Uh, and and for people that don't know, the backstory to why he did the whole Ric Flair impersonation after winning the SWAG championship was because Ric Flair actually sent a inspirational video to the team the night before. Okay. And Tiffany Green and Jay mm-hmm. Walker found out about it, so they asked him about it. So that's why he just went ahead and just pulled it out or whatever because he was like, he was the happiest in the world, you know, to win a championship, and he can give a little credit to his buddy Ric Flair. Good stuff. That's great. Great insight. We definitely appreciate that, man. Last thing, man, I'm going to go ahead and touch on it because you've mentioned it twice. 
you are a proud Southern University alumnus. So uh, let's talk about this West just for a second. There's a lot of parody over there. I don't know what's going to happen. For Jackson State fans, I think for HBCU football in general, I think it'd be a dream matchup with Jackson State and Southern University in the SWAC championship game. Now, on your end, covering Alabama a and I'm sure it'd be a dream matchup for Alabama a and to face your alma mater. So just tell me, how do you see that West shaping out? Oh, man, that, the West is 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 a beast. That's that's all I'm going to say right now. The West is such a beast right now to where, honestly, there's a whole lot of football left to be played. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can really, really describe it. I really think right now it is a three-team race between Prairie View, Alcorn, and Southern. Uh, Alcorn really did deep, dig deep two weeks ago in, in that comeback victory against UAPB, and then Prairie View kind of showed their worth last week against um, UAPB on Thursday night. So um, I think, honestly, it's really, really going to just come down to, like, these key matchups uh, late in the season. I'm looking at Prairie View's schedule right now. Prairie View's got Southern on October the 23rd. Actually, it looks like they go – oh, yeah, that's Southern's homecoming. So that's going to be huge right there. I think that's going to be a huge matchup. And then Prairie View plays all corner November the 13th. For Southern – they've got Prairie View and Alcorn in back-to-back weeks. So I really think Southern really, really could take a step forward with those games. But then again, it's like you look at the stretch for Southern, I mean, either they gonna, either they, they either going to beat a man or they're going to get beat by the man because <laughs> after they play Texas Southern, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, the rest of their schedule is Prairie View, Alcorn, Florida A&M, Jackson State, Woo. then Bayou Classic. Luckily, <laughs> four of those games are at home and the other mm-hmm. one's in the Superdome. So yeah. – you know, hopefully the the essence of A.W. Mumford Stadium will play a major role in, <laughs> in, in you know, in helping that uh, work for there. But I really if I had to go ahead and give an upper edge right now, I like Preview, actually, believe it or not. Okay. Not saying that I'm counting my Jaguars out. I really do think the change to Bobby McDaniel at quarterback while finding ways to get Skelton in wrinkles is going to continue to work. For them moving forward but what i saw from prairie view last week kind of showed me that look they're changing things up with the offense coach eric dooley who was actually the wide receivers coach when i played at southern um and he was there and did a whole lot of good things we knew he was going to be a great head coach one day mm-hmm. i noticed with prairie view that they made a commitment to the running game mm-hmm. we've never seen prairie view really make a true commitment to the running game under coach dooley through all his years. And I think because of that, that adds a new wrinkle to what Prairie View can do offensively. We've always seen the happy pass, lucky go, lucky uh, Panthers throwing it here, there, and everywhere. But honestly, I think the addition of a rushing attack with a couple of guys who can tote the rock will definitely make the difference for there. But as I mentioned before, a lot of football still has to be played. Absolutely. I would love to see a – Alabama A&M versus a Southern SWAC championship or whatever. I would love to see that. But at the end of the day, I would also love to see a Southern versus Jackson State, uh, whatchamacallit, or I'd love to see this, or I'd love to see that. I mean, heck, I still remember being 13 years old and riding with my family to Birmingham for the first SWAC championship between Southern mm-hmm. and Jackson State. Yeah, and, and look, and, and, and I, I don't want to bring up bad memories for Jackson State <laughs> or whatever, but – I'm not sure the Tigers still know how to stop Michael Hayes after all these years. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. <laughs> nah, man. I mean, I, that, that by far was, I mean, considering the fact that that was one of the, that was the first white championship game, that still stands out as by far one of the best ones to still to be played to this day. So it, it'll be interesting um, coming down the stretch to see who is going to do whatever. But I will say this too. 
this 2021 season is by far probably the best year from top to bottom for mm -hmm. the SWAC, probably since that 99 season. Right. And I am so excited about it because every week you got to bring your A game. Nobody's taking a week off, and there are no guaranteed victories at all. Proof in the pudding, look what Mississippi Valley State just did last yeah, week. Right. They beat North Carolina Central, the same Central team that beat Alcorn. <laughs> so with that being said, there's a lot of football left to be played, and who knows, man, we may have a swag championship with teams we didn't even expect. So you never know. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mo, this has been a blast, man. I could sit here and talk football with you all day, but I definitely want to let you get out of here. Before you go, though, share your social media with our fans or your website. How can we follow you? I know you'll be providing some good content leading up to this game and after the game as well. Absolutely. On Twitter, you can follow me, Mo Carter, M-O-C-A-R-T-E-R, -E Fox 54. That's on Twitter. Um, on Facebook, you can also find me, um, basically Mo Carter, Fox 54, if I'm not mistaken as well. We just went through a rebranding, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that changed over too, mm -hmm. um, uh, just in general. But yeah, Mo Carter, Fox 54. And also for our website, you can go to fox54.com. It'll re, uh, it, well, I can say we're going through the rebrand. So mm -hmm. it'll take you, quote unquote, to what our previous website is, which is rocketcitynow.com mm -hmm. we still got to wait for a few other things to make it fully go fox54.com but if you put fox54.com you'll be redirected over there so yeah that's where you can find me out on the website you can find me on social at mo carter fox54 and of course yeah i'll be putting together some previews throughout the week with both uh, coach Deion sanders and also coach connell mayner and it should be one heck of a football game come saturday right here in uh, the city of huntsville and I got a good feeling that at the end of the day, no matter what the win or loss is or whatever, we should be feeling good about how great HBCU football mm -hmm. is in the 2021 season, especially with a game like this. Absolutely. And speaking of that, I definitely I would be remiss not to just, you know, give you guys kudos, you and your team over there at Fox 54 for your outstanding HBCU coverage. You know, one of the reasons why this podcast was started was because of a lack of coverage for HBCU sports with us, specifically Jackson State. Uh, but we definitely see what you guys do over there. It doesn't go unnoticed and it's greatly appreciated continue covering HBCUs and, and putting HBCUs on the map and giving them the exposure that they that we need and deserve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell you this. I mean, I've been in the business now for 12 years. My first year in the business, when I worked in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I worked at WAFB as a sports reporter under Steve Schneider. And one of the first things he told me was that, hey, being in that market, yes, people care a lot about LSU and care about the Saints. But it was his responsibility to tell the stories about local high schools and other colleges like Southern University. So it's your responsibility to tell those local stories. So I always took that to heart to always make sure that local sports always comes first. I took that to heart when I went to Alexandria, Louisiana, and I was kind of able to do a pick of the litter covering various schools. Then I go to Montgomery, having Alabama State right there, Tuskegee right down the road, and now here in Huntsville, you know, covering Alabama A&M. Don't get me wrong. I still cover Alabama and mm -hmm. Auburn and, and – um, Jacksonville State and North Alabama. But hey, Alabama AM is literally like five blocks away from my station. There's mm -hmm. no reason why we should not be at every single event that they can kind of put forward and provide. And the other thing, too, is that people want to hear these stories. They want to see these things. I'm just doing my best just to, you know, make these things happen and also share the wonderful stories that you may not see on ESPN or SEC Network or Fox Sports. We're making it happen here, man. 
So Indeed. thank you for that. Indeed, you are. Keep it up. Well, again, I appreciate it. And uh, we will see you in Huntsville. Sounds good. Safe travels over here, uh, guys, as well. And also, bring a rain jacket. There's possible rain for later part of the week. Just want to okay. give you guys a heads up. Okay. We appreciate the heads up. And that'll do it for episode 194 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. I cannot stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. As always, thanks for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag I Believe. Hashtag the I love. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done